Hello, hello. Once again, it's time for another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. I am KG. Fellas, how are you? Start with Wildcat first. How are you, sir? Doing all right. I'm doing all right. That's not kind of kind of blase there. We'll, we'll see if he can perk you up. Doc, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. The road really out of the air after a flight was canceled Friday night. So to be back home and be able to get in my own bed, I feel really good. All right, let's let's, let's, are, let's start from there. there. Yeah, let's start from there. So, uh, why were you out of town? Where were you, sir? Well, starting out Monday, I was in uh, Orlando with the NCA on their Academic Accelerated Success Program, uh, which is geared towards limited resource institutions, and most of the HBCUs qualify as limited resource institutions, meaning. Uh, there's a formula that the NCA uses that talks about um, the amount of money the school uh, produces in terms of revenue, as well as uh, there's a component that talks about students and their need for federal assistance that would push them in position uh, to qualify the grant. There's some other conferences. West Coast Conference has some teams in there. Southland as well as some institutions that qualify in terms of that. So they had me come down and do a presentation on HBCU cultural aesthetics. And obviously while I was down there, I had a chance to look at some of the presentations as I've been doing my research to put Texas Southern in position to apply for the million dollar grant, uh, maybe as soon as next year. Uh, although that took place, they did, and I was part of the team that wrote the grant uh, that Texas Southern was awarded for $86,500, which is going to put uh, laptops and some other programs uh, on buses for students to be able to get their academic work done during this academic school year. So I did that from Monday to Thursday and Thursday morning. I flew out of Norfolk. I mean, flew out of Orlando in Norfolk uh, to put myself in a position to cover the MEAC Football Media Day, which was held on Monday, I mean, held on Friday in uh, Norfolk. Kind of going back because while I was down there in that position was the fact that um, my luggage did not make it to Norfolk. So that kind of got on my nerves. Uh, we do that all good now. <laughs> yeah, to do that, but still everything went well. And I was able to uh, be the social media platform arm of the MEAC uh, during the football media day. So I have interviews out there with coaches uh, as well as some players. The volume on the player side wasn't very good, but really got it together for the coaches' interview. And so a lot of people were excited about that. Doc, I gotta ask it because I, I believe you said m- most HBCUs are part of the under what is it underfunded the qualified underfunding yeah, call it limited funding limited resources. Yeah. Okay, so tell me what HBCUs isn't limited in resources? 
the one that doesn't that previously qualified doesn't qualify any longer is Hampton University. Hampton University qualified because you could either qualify outright as an institution or you also had the ability to qualify as a conference. And the SWAC and the MEAC conferences qualify, so therefore Hampton was able to uh, qualify for limited resource institutions as a member of the MEAC. But if you recall, um, Hampton has left the MEAC right. and now are members of the Big South, and the Big South doesn't qualify as a conference, and they didn't qualify as an institution, so they no longer qualify. So is that a good thing if they no longer qualify as an institution? I wouldn't necessarily see it as a good thing when you no longer have the ability to get a million-dollar grant. One of the grants they applied for it early and were awarded uh, grant. I don't remember uh, what their number was, but I think it was over half a million dollars. So they're no longer eligible to get money like that to help support athletics. So I don't think I would see it as a good thing. But uh, um, I guess it's in the eyes of the beholder. After they see it as a good thing in regards to um, they don't need the extra money. They're going to get it done without it. Wow. Okay, well, so off the top of your head, I'm I'm, I'm pretty sure you've even done, you've crunched the numbers. Will Hampton get more money as a member of the Big South as opposed to me? Uh, not if you measure it in terms of television appearances. No, they won't get money there. Uh, it costs more money for the Big South. You know, television, uh, ESPN, and the, the uh, MEAC have a better television deal uh, with more exposure. Then, obviously, at the end of the year, you have the ability to place yourself in a position to get to the Celebration Bowl, uh, which essentially is a million dollars to each conference. And the way each conference uh, breaks it down, about 70% of that, 70, 75% of that goes back to the institution. So um, that's another half a million dollars at least uh, that they're giving up an opportunity to get, which does not exist as a member of the Big South. So every way that I've measured it, I could, I could not see why Hampton University saw the Big South move. Big South, in terms of participation, and the FCS tournament is no better than the MEAC uh, in regards to getting an automatic bid when they got one. They only get one. They don't get at large bids regularly like if they were joining the CAA. You can see that that would be plausible that uh, somebody could say is a move uh, from a stronger conference because they tend to get multiple bids to the tournament. Or if they were like trying to join the Atlantic 10, on the basketball side, where the basketball Atlantic 10 obviously gets multiple bids into the NCAA tournament. The Big South, similar to the SWAC, NEAC, OBC, for that matter, where Tennessee State is a member, is a sole bid, sole bid league, and that's whether it's FCS or Big South. So it's mostly a lateral move, but on the financial side, uh, I can't see it. They put out there originally that there's going to be less travel, students get less time, but that was prior to the Big South expanding, taking in Kennesaw State. They also have taken in uh, UNA, University of North Alabama. It has recently moved from Division Two to Division One FCS. So now you're taking travels back down south to what you were doing in the MEAC. So you no longer can see that as plausible and saying that you're really reducing travel time and getting 
uh, students outside uh, of the geographic footprint because people may not realize that Kennesaw State uh, is in um, Georgia, uh, pretty much just outside of uh, Atlanta. So again, you're heading back into Georgia. You're going over to Alabama, essentially, as if you were going into Florida or whatever. So um, it's one of those things I think people just, uh, to be quite blunt, it's one of those things where it's a historically white college university conference, or what I refer to as the HWCU versus HBCU. So people think that the brand-wise that it's a better fit which is still a sad indication of where we are in America when you look at all the other measures and you can't see it. In fact, academically, if you looked at the measures on the academic side, uh, the MEAC has more doctoral uh, extensive programs if you measure by the Carnegie versus uh, the Big South. and even has a higher ranking in terms of more academic institutions that have better pedigree in terms of the Carnegie measure classification, not just what you think, but actual organizations that measure all these institutions. MEAC has more of those. So it can't you can't put out there at least in terms of the Carnegie classification that the schools are even academically stronger. That is not the case at either. All right, well so I don't understand why they did what they did, but anyhow, <laughs> Doc, what conference is FAMU a member? Conference MEAC, they and the MEAC, Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. That's what I thought. And since you were at Football Media Day, touch on the, uh, I guess, predicted order of finish, because the three of us are going to talk a little bit more in depth about FAMU being in the in the news, the football news anyway, because of a uh, certain prominent football player. But go ahead and talk about the predict predicted order of finish in the MEAC. Yeah, it's uh, not surprising many people predicted order of finish. Uh, well, I guess I'm surprised to save it for last with the top ranked team. Let's start at the bottom. There's now 10 members of the MEAC, and it will actually go to nine members next year at Savannah State. The Tigers of Savannah State in Georgia are leaving as they are moving back down to the Division II level from Division I SDS as they will rejoin the SIAC after they left the SIAC more than 10 years ago. But with that, let's look at the top 10 predicted order of finish by the coaches and SISDs of the MEAC. Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference. At number 10, you have Delaware State Hornets. At number 9, Morgan State Bears. At number 8, Atlanta State Tigers. At number 7, South Carolina State Bulldogs. At number 6, Norfolk State Spartans. Top five programs is Florida A&M University. And somebody really believes in Coach Willie Simmons as Pam U got the lone first-place vote that didn't go to the number one team. So the Rattlers are number five, but they do have one individual out there that believes they're going to be ranked number or should be ranked number one uh, in the preseason poll. At number four, Bethune-Cookman Wildcats. At number three, North Carolina Central Eagles. 
quite a few Eagles fans were in town in Norfolk, and they drew a little boo as they thought they should be ranked higher. And number two, Howard Bison, as Howard Bison was the darling of HBCU football as they knocked off UNLV in the first game last year as the greatest upset, according to uh, margin, uh, in Las Vegas, that is. None other than number one, North Carolina A&T had 19 first-place votes, and they are loaded. And any indication in terms of some of the preseason uh, rankings in terms of season all offensive defensive team was just loaded uh, with Aggies on their team uh, in both ways, including Lamar Reynard was uh, selected as the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference preseason offensive player of the year. On the defensive side, which means it could be interesting in the Aggie Eagle Classic, as that goes to defensive back Devontae Reynolds of North Carolina Central was the defensive player of the year. But to give you some indication in terms of how loaded the Aggies are, including Lamar Reynard, you have one, two, three, four, five, five players on first team for the Aggies, as they just looking good on defense. They have three on defense in terms of what's going on. So eight players represent first-team offense and defense in terms of those Aggies as they are stacking the deck in a lot of ways. A lot of people believe that they will win the MEAC again and represent back in Atlanta in the Celebration Bowl. And oddly enough, we already told you it was selected from the SWAT, which is Grambling State. So many people think it's going to be a rematch uh, for the 2018 version of the MEAC Swag Celebration Bowl in terms of those teams. So that gives you a little indication of what goes on there in terms of first team defense and preseason offensive defensive players. Uh, but Aggies are quite confident. The only thing that's a little question to some degree for some is the Aggies will be led by a first-year coach as the defensive head coach comes over to take the mantle uh, for Aggies to see what they can get done. Okay, gentlemen. I'm going to just read off, uh, mention these schools that uh, the best high school football player in the country listed as his five college choices. Alabama, Florida State, Oregon, USC, Florida A&M. Let me say that one more time. Alabama, Florida State, Oregon, USC, Florida A&M. The best high school football player in the country lists Florida A&M among his five college choices. Kayvon Thibodeau. Y'all folks, listeners think, oh, this is just a joke. KG's lost his damn mind. Well, Brother Thibodeau made a, a visit to FAMU. Had a great visit. Was just there, what, one, one or two days ago? Yep. yep. So... He is serious enough about FAMU that he made a visit. Now, of course, 
So now, of course. I also say that every top recruit should at least visit an HBCU. Yes. For a lot of reasons, because for some of them, it would open their eyes to, why, I had no idea. (laughs) Wow. I really had no idea about quality education at HBCU. I had, wow, why did my parents tell me about this two, three years ago? Why did my high school counselor tell me this? Why did my football coach tell me this? Whatever. But, yes, social media has been buzzing about Kayvon Thibodeau listed FAMU among his five schools. He made his visit. He loved his visit. Now, of course, FAMU is located where, Doc? What city? Tallahassee. Tallahassee, Florida, for those that don't know where Tallahassee is. And what? It's also home of another institution. Uh-huh. Called Florida State. Out of the APC. So, he also visited Florida State. In the, the same, I think, in the same day. So some people, and this is what we're going to discuss. Well, actually, he uh, had visited Tallahassee, I mean, Florida State the day before. The day before, okay, thank you, sir. So his, let's just get into it here. Kayvon Thibodeau, I had an unbelievable time at FAMU. Special thanks to administrators. What's the FBI, Doc? You high tech, student body, football staff, and especially head coach Willie Simmons for inviting me. Okay, before, before y'all get too far More than an athlete. It's a hashtag. Before y'all get it, before you get too far to this, that kid came across country from California. Thousand Oaks. Now, for folks that don't get it twisted, had no idea, no clue. And we all know how HBCUs are where, east of the Mississippi. That means nobody in the state of California, especially in Thousand Oaks, around the L.A. greater greater metropolitan, wanted anything to do with some child going across country to a black institution. I'm going to just be starting right there. I'm going to make my comment after, in relative to right here in town, but you still go ahead and get started. Well, we're going to have to do some research to see if there's a connection to uh, Kayvon, Doc Mary, no, to Kayvon, Kayvon's family or whatever, if there's a family connection, if Coach Simmons knows him. From you know how Coach Simmons knows him, or how Kayvon knows about FAMU, or if Coach Simmons just said, "What the hell, best player in in the country," I'm going to invite him. You know, well, I don't know if he can do that because <laughs> I, I don't think a coach can do that. Uh, invite a player before the player announces, you know, his de- declaration of his schools, whatever. We can talk about that as well. You know, it's in a letter. You can always send a letter. So I'm, yeah, if nothing else, you send a letter. You can always send a letter. You can always send a letter. So the best high school football player in the country, the defensive end from Thousand Oaks, California, took a visit to Florida A&M University, an historically black college 
correct? Is it yeah. a, is it is it for show? Is it what is it? What do you think it is? Well, is, it, is it legit? This is, well, let me go. Let me let me go with let me go this route. It could have been more so. Let's start with the letter. And I was intrigued and said, okay, they're in the same town. He don't know nothing about Florida and m Don't have a clue. You know, and kid being a kid, he found us. He, hey. he does know about Florida and m because he put out there very early. That, as I stated, he said every top player should um, visit an HBCU. So he knew Florida and m all right, then. Yeah, he tweeted. Let me go back. He tweeted on July 18th, how crazy would it be if the top athletes started going to HBCUs? How would it look how if an HBCU didn't make my top five, but I ended up at one? That's on July 18th. Okay. No, no other tweet or information before then? This is an article. I, I, talking, I, I, don't, I mean, they're talking. Did you see? It's seeing his name. I, just, I don't follow him on Twitter. Okay. Well, then let's, let's start with that then. That, that's, just, that's not a bad thing. We, we all know kids being kids. Let me try something out of the box at least once. They'll do that now. He probably looked up and said, okay, let me see what's on campus. He's looking around. Well, July, July 28th, he tweeted, I wonder who the spam you play for homecoming. <laughs> Doc? <laughs> oh, I, I, I mean, if you ask me, I think it's pretty obvious that he has somebody that has the HBCU connection to him and uh, has communicated about HBCUs. So he has some knowledge of HBCUs, and he's decided to make it his platform that uh, whether he ultimately decides to choose the HBCU, he realizes as the number one recruiting country that he has a lot of eyes on him, uh, on, in particular on his Twitter page, so he decided um, with whoever may be a partner, it could have been alone, but I'm sure it's somebody that he was going to make this a platform to give HBCUs some attention, particular FAMU. And it fits in a way that FAMU happens to be in Tallahassee. Uh, he has hit it off with Coach Simmons. We don't know where that connection comes from. So for him, it made a lot of sense. It's my understanding why he was in Florida that he was going to actually visit University of Florida first, but, but because of the weather and plane delays, he ultimately had to cancel his trip mm -hmm. to Gainesville, yeah. uh, but was able to make that Tallahassee, and therefore he went to first places. But it's hard for me to believe with all the different Twitter messages out there that he doesn't know what he's doing. And I think it's, it's, it's something that should be celebrated. It's a young man that is educated beyond his years to some degree uh, because he knows what the platform he's providing for HBCUs. Again, whether he ultimately makes that decision himself, only he would know. Uh, but at the very least, again, you can see that he's shining light on HBCUs, which um, in terms of the recruiting platform is very good because there are going to be some other young men that may not be measured in terms of the 
his talent level that now may look at HBCUs to say, well, if this top guy is considering, maybe I should look at him. They probably would have never turned a second eye to HBCUs because of all the negative uh, perceptions that are out there. So I think it's something a lot. Uh, it'd be interesting to continue to follow him to see if we can kind of ever unearth what this totally is all about. But I'm going to be give him the benefit of that. I think it's sad in a lot of ways that we uh, will question a young man and his veracity because he decides to go this way because it's so different that for most of it, we can't fathom it or understand it. I'm going to celebrate him. Obviously, it's easier for me. I'm an HBCU product. I'm an HBCU fan. So I'm going to find a way to look at the positive side of this. And that's just what I'm about, who I am, and the way that I do business in a lot of ways. And I think it's fascinating. I, so I, I think I it's... All of the young on Twitter uh, to bring more light to his calls and what he's doing for HBCU. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at his Twitter Twitter feed, and a couple of things. This is all from the July 28th. He said he's loving FAMU. I might have to rebook my flight and stay a couple more days. We literally have been laughing and having fun all day. And then that's when he, his next tweet is, every student athlete needs to visit an HBCU. Um, that's been the following one about uh, who do they play for homecoming. And once the visit ended... He says, uh, now that this, I am focused on my team, no more recruiting, the season is upon us. So he's, based on that, <clears throat> he's not even considering other folks now that he's back at in California and back with his high school. So get ready for high school football. So we shall see. But I think it's great. And from a different perspective, I didn't go to an HBCU, but I think it's great because it gets people talking. It gets people, it makes some folks uncomfortable. I would love to yep. see a top-notch talent go to an HBCU, start a trend, and then we'll see how big-time football folks react. Because all three of us must know history of HBCUs and how I used to dominate football years ago. Best players from the NFL were from where? HBCU. Thank you. So yeah. I would love it if more and more players went to HBCU. HBCU is a U of A. One of those two. I'll be great with it. <laughs> One of the last bastards to make a change toward changing in racial structure was baseball. And up until a point, that's where everybody got their shot at. Now, since Ricky Weeks won player of the year in 2002, fellas, there hasn't been another big-time athlete, close black athlete, at an HBCU that got it, that, that, that a scout didn't even, they didn't figure out where that kid was, where they had stopped going to the neighborhood and checking. All of a sudden, after that year, it was like, hey, can't have that happening no more. Can't have that happening no more. 
That is from an HBCU. How did we miss that guy? Doc, you know what I'm talking about. You, you, now on campuses, and Chris, you done been, you, you done been out the games. We all see it now. Every team now in this country is pretty much mixed at every school. And mind you, that's the baseball scholarships are only 12 and a half. And folks, they're spreading around to 25 kids. I just pray and hope that Ricky Weeks, and I guess it gets to me doing a lot of parties once conference play starts and then run for it, Omaha gets real big in the, in the media uh, outlet where there's, I don't see any big-time kid coming out of an HBCU with an opportunity like Ricky Weeks had with a legitimate shot from the beginning of the season, either his junior or senior year, with a shot at winning the Golden Glove. I hope there's one kid out there left that'll take that shot and actually say, you know what? I'm staying at home. I'm going to Prairie View. I'm staying at home. I'm going to Texas up. Yeah, I think it's even more unprecedented than what, what you're alluding to. When you think of Ricky Weeks in terms of baseball, who ended up being the number one draft pick, and then Steve McNair in terms of football is probably the last one to do it. But in both of those cases, those are individuals that actually bloomed late. They bloomed in college, uh, if you would allow me to use this uh, framework yep. in terms of what you pick uh, high in the draft. Uh, but I think uh, what you're alluding to to some degree is the talent level. Uh, that is at HBCUs. Um, you have some very talented players. Obviously, just last year, you had the MEAC have players picked in the second and third round, including the running back from North Carolina A&T that has uh, got several player of the week honors uh, playing with the Chicago Bears. But I think what's intriguing about this is, is obviously – we have so many more eyes on high school players that rank them. And so this kid happens to be the number one ranked kid in the country. And so now you have somebody is ranked that everybody says could go essentially to any institution they want. Uh, and the fact that they're considering an HBCU, to some degree this is similar to the young man that chose Duke over an Ivy League school I think it was Harvard that he was looking at. Um, obviously, in a lot of ways, people see that slightly different because you have the academic prestige of an Ivy League school such as Harvard. So some people couldn't at least say, well, you can understand the academic pedigree that he was looking at. But still, in terms of the athletic prowess, uh, people were looking uh, obscurely at that and looking up and asking, is he really going to choose uh, Harvard, I believe it was, over Duke? And ultimately he chose Duke. And so there's different ways that you can look at this that opens it up. And I can see in a lot of ways why people like Chris and, and you're based because you see this almost as the underdog role. You see HBCUs or Ivy League school 
or then U of H not being a power five. You see this almost as an underdog role, and you still have a lot of fans that pull for underdogs. And so that's why you are getting a lot of people that are excited about this opportunity because it's a way to kind of pick your nose at the power five and seem to get everything in every way, and, and people don't necessarily like that. Whether they deserve it or not is a different questions, but uh, there are a lot of people that would like to see the playing field leveled out because they don't necessarily think that these power schools got everything the right way. And certainly there's some people out there in HBCU landscape uh, that know the history about when there was segregation and until desegregation or forced assimilation where these same institutions now that are wanting to get these young kids wouldn't let somebody of color in the school. And you still have some people that are concerned about the landscape of athletics in this day and time with the NCAA and all the rules and how these athletes that are generating now billions of dollars do not get a financial piece of this of their own and see this harking back to the segregation times. And some people, even worse than that, they see it in terms of servitude. if not even worse, a framework of enslaved Africans when they don't have a lot of voice what's going on. And not that we have to take everything to a professional level, but it's even aggravated for a lot of people even more when you have this issue with the NFL and Kaepernick in terms of what's going on there that continues to flourish when just recently you have the words of Jerry Jones and the Cowboys, which a lot of people are sickening to hear because it's as if uh, people are saying these players need to be happy for what they get. They need to be happy to have an opportunity to go to a power five. They need to just close the mouth uh, and take the roads and see where it leads them. And if they make a lot of great money, that's great. You know, be quiet about that and just do your thing and get away. We don't want to hear from you. Certainly anything that disparages what we think is great about sports. And why wouldn't you think it's great when a select few institutions are getting all the benefits and nobody's getting anything else? And if you're a part of it, you like it that way. And Stephen Jones as well. So, you know, Jerry's son opened his mouth as well as basically said, you don't want to be a cowboy, then then don't uh, don't stand for the anthem. So I, you know, he followed up with it. Uh, radio interview and, and said, I'll support, we, we will support you and your protests on Tuesdays. But every other day, you, you put on that, that star, put on that cowboy uniform. If you don't want to do that, then we can get rid of you. That's basically what he said. And Tuesday, he said Tuesday because Tuesday is the off day in the NFL. So Stephen Jones is saying, if you want to protest, you protest on Tuesday. That's what he's saying. On your own time. On your own time, yes. Now, I'm going to ask this question. What would have transpired if Ed Oliver had to chose Texas Southern over U of H? How would that have gone down just here in the city? Who would care? So I think it would have been a question. People with a question and say, what was wrong with him? Why did he do that? Yes, especially when, when you realize. Not see, most people don't see FCS institutions 
uh, as serious incubators for the next level, particularly HBCUs. There, you got to remember, to be frank, there were a lot of people that questioned why he went to U of H. Without a oh, doubt. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the reason I brought that up. If you're not going to a Power 5 institution, period, you're going to get second-guessed by a lot of people. And the fact is is that most folks do not see institutions that are not Power 5 as incubators to get you better to make it to the next level. In fact, there would be some people that would question him going to a Texas Tech over the University of Texas, for that matter. So unless you are the blue bloods, as they like to say, you're always going to get questioned. And so it's where we, the way we live now. If you're not doing the norm, what everybody else is doing, people are questioning you. But if you don't do that, there's never going to be change, and you never see those individuals that become stars in their own right taking their own path. So we've always had individuals that have found a way to take their own path and be successful with it and kind of thumb their nose at the rest of society. And it's beautiful when it works out because uh, there are free hearts and there are people that have the ability to create their own paths. And unfortunately, we, when it doesn't work out for them, we're there also to point and say, see, we told you. You should have did it the other way. So it's a life. It's a fact of life, and it's the road that you have to decide that you're going to travel. And some people are made of that. Some people literally are made of those threads and make changes. And in fact, you lived it. We all have lived it to some degree, but if it wasn't for those folks that took risks and took those chances, we wouldn't be where we are at this day and time. So I'm thankful for folks that find a way to do it on their own way. I'm thankful for those that push the system and continually ask for changes, such things to get better. So you'll never hear me say much as negative about somebody that is trying to find a way to do it, even if I don't necessarily agree with everything they're doing, because I know it's only those select individuals that push the system more than it ever is that we get changed. If everybody continues to do what everybody does, there will never be changed. We'll never get better. There'll never be a sense of equity uh, more than it is. There'll never be a real step to equality. You always need those folks that push against the system. Agreed. And just to add one thing about Ed Oliver, when Ed Oliver, he committed to U of H junior year, summer, going through junior year, whatever. Folks, Recruiting, recruiting people, elite programs, oh, he's going to change. He'll decommit. He won't stay with, at U of H. He get on campus, one of these big-time programs, he'll, he's going to change his commit. Even after Ed Oliver said himself, I'm going to U of H. Y'all can, you know, I, yeah, I'm going to take my business because, you know, why wouldn't you? But I am going to U of H. I'm not going to change. I am going to the yeah, whatever. Ed. Sure, sure, sure. Why would you consider a non-Power 5 program when you got all these big-time people programs coming after you? I'm going to U of H. Whatever. Ed. 
up until he signed, people will still have doubts about him coming in the U of H. No, I was no. It wasn't until he actually got in class and was going to school that I, from what I was told, that people backed off. And they still was hanging around until he got that first semester out of his way. That's how much they was willing to wait that out when they looked up and said, it ain't going to happen. Well, he didn't got his first field. He'll change. He in school. Damn. He playing. Damn. And then once he got them first couple of games out of my his bill, folks was like, we missed out. We missed out. Came red city. He got a transfer. And they were hoping for the bottom to fall out, and it didn't. Gentlemen. It's just how recruit. Go ahead. I don't believe I heard anybody or any other outlets say, repeat these or comment on these words from this person. Quote, but my point is, if we can find a way to get the money to do a lot of different things with money and put people in positions, then we can certainly find a way to compensate. I just look at it in terms of entertainment because that's what it is. And when you really boil down to it, you see the amount of money. It's really hard to, to tag this thing amateur. That's the whole definition of amateur. So it's just got to that point. It wasn't there 40 years ago. It wasn't there in 1978. The TV contracts, the coaches' contracts, they weren't there. They are there now. I just want to see these guys get taken care of. They create a lot of entertainment for us. There's a lot of things that we benefit from as fans, and i like to see these guys benefit a little bit more. I'm not saying that we pay them a million dollars to play college football. That's not what I'm saying. But we need to look at it hard and really give it an earnest look and help these young men achieve their degrees, make sure they get their degrees, and also find ways to bring them back and continue their education. Major Applewhite said that Monday afternoon to ESPN on ESPN 3 on that ESPN football media day. Major Applewhite said that. Have you heard anybody nationally discuss those words besides me putting it on Facebook and Twitter? Now, the fact that that was mentioned at the four letters. No, I didn't see it come up on until you text me that. I didn't see anything come up on YouTube or nothing. Nobody mentioned nothing on the uh, on the y'all on the on the sports pages or anything. And my gut tells me one, if it wasn't for from a power five school. Two, oh, it was just from major athletes from the University of Houston. It's just his second or third year on the job. What does he know? Three. They can't pay nobody anyhow. They don't have a big enough program. And number four, which is the one you really got to pay attention to, what does he know? Is, did Saban making a statement? Did Harbaugh make a statement? Did... Uh, Jimbo Fisher make a statement? Did Tom Herman make a statement? No, they didn't. But damn it, 
a coach makes a statement like that on national for a national outlet, somebody, somebody should have made a comment about that, and nobody didn't. I don't know whether it was because they didn't want to or because of where it came from. Sometimes you got to pay attention to the messenger. Oh, like I said in the text. Go ahead. Something that has been discussed amongst them behind closed doors in meetings. And something has been put on the table. I don't know what that is. And that's just me speculating. That's just me now. That ain't nobody else. That ain't Doc. That ain't KG. That's me. Still war. Somebody has basically said, you know what? I got no qualms. Something got to happen. And now, mind you, majority of these coaches that's coaching now, they're former athletes. They're former college players. Major Applewhite is a former athlete. Played at University of Texas for the Longhorns. Quarterback at Texas. And he's a quarterback at Texas that beat Oklahoma and A&M in the same season. That's a difference. And three of us all know this. You folks that listen in this state of Texas, when you do those, as a quarterback, when you do those two things, you're different. Am I wrong? No. And let me add to your points. Everything you said, the points you made, I agree with. I'm also going to toss in because he's a part of the American Athletic Conference which obviously is not Power 5, even though the conference is trying to, you know, get people to believe in and start saying more and more Power 6, P6, et cetera. That still has not carried, has not spread across the country like wildfire, like Commissioner Oresco would hope. It's grown a little bit in bits and pieces, small incremental steps, but it's nowhere near as, as much as popular as, as the Commissioner of the Conference would hope. But... He said those words, Mitch Applewhite said those words on ESPN3, this, the media day, the ESPN, that part, two and a half hours, rough two and a half hours broadcast on ESPN3. But he said it, as Wildcat said, to the four letters. I have not seen an article on ESPN.com acknowledging those words. The man said those words. On one of your networks, one of your digital platforms, he believes college players should be compensated. That's big freaking news. No one, correct me if I'm wrong, I still haven't seen it. Six, seven days have passed. I still haven't seen anything about it. You, all three of us know damn well if Nick Saban would have hinted at anything similar to that. SEC Network, ESPN, CBS, Fox Sports would be falling out over themselves. Did you hear what Nick Saban said? Nick Saban believes players should be compensated. Oh my gosh, Nick Saban said, oh my gosh, did you hear what Coach Saban said? 
the best coach in football. He said that they should be compensated. What are we going to do about this? Oh, no. What? 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 Armageddon's coming upon us. What's going to happen now? Oh, no. But Major Applewhite at the University of Houston says it on ESPN3. ESPN.com. Whatever. Are you kidding me? Go ahead, Doc. I'm amazed when you put it out there that you could do a quick search on several different ways and won't anything come up to suggest that he even said it. And so it's like, it's almost scary because it makes you, makes one seem that if you're on ESPN3 slash watch or plus, uh, that it doesn't matter. So it's it's almost insane. It almost makes you think that they purposely have not uh, echoed like they like to do a lot of other echo things. But you would think the topic would resonate. So I'm I'm baffled. I really can't explain what has went on in terms of why this is not more news in general. But it's in some ways it gets back to what I said. If you're not part of the Power Five. To some degree, if you're not part of what we would, what I would refer to as the super elite, whether that's in basketball or in the sport of football, then you're almost irrelevant in terms of what takes place, unless it's so far off the beaten path that they're almost forced to cover it. It's almost as if Applewhite is the proverbial tree falling in the forest. And no one's around to see it or hear it fall. But right. he said it on ESPN3. Damn, what, was I the only person watching the interview? Hey, obviously, it must, must be the case. Because when he said it, I'm watching the Monday afternoon, and he said it, I was like, what the hell did he just say? And because it was live streaming, I couldn't rewind it to hear hear him say it again. So I sent a few texts. Say, I'm white. Just said he thinks players be compensated. Come, my friends didn't even respond. So Tuesday morning, I'm like, well, let me see if it's somewhere on ESPN.com that I can find it. Because I, I had to have proof. I had to transcribe what the man said. I found the link, listened to it, recorded it, and said, yeah, that's what he's saying. I expect this folks Tuesday to put out an article. You know, somebody, ESPN.com, somebody, American, somebody. Well, I know the American wouldn't do it because I'm sure Commissioner Resco like, oh, my God. He said, what? Oh, no, we can't have that. Oh, oh no. But, yeah, he said it. I don't cover U.S. US football. Or if I did, oh, yeah. trust, trust and believe, <laughs> trust and believe. Yeah. First media day, first media availability. Chris Garner, Houston day. Brown Bar Review. Boom. Major Apple White. Coach <laughs> Apple White, you said on ESPN3 Monday, July 23rd in the afternoon, you believe players should be compensated. 
Could you would you elaborate on those comments, please, sir? Rust and believe I'll be. Oh my goodness, no doubt. So hopefully, some local media will ask questions. I think practice should be starting soon, or you know, because I like I said, I don't cover football, but it's got to be coming up. And I choose to believe someone locally is going to ask him the question and get an answer because I also probably doesn't like the fact he told the national media and then tell the local media. But now it's out that, there. The, the, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you text me that, that bothers me because – all three, all three of us have, have have been in this business long enough to like. I'm not afraid of a scrum. If you know what I'm, for folks to know what that means, that's a that's what we call a cow call in the business. That's why everybody's got a mic in some a coach's face or a player's face from all over, local, regional, and national. The three of us have never been afraid to stick that microphone out there. And that, that tape recorder out there, or the camera, and ask a question. And for nobody to be within earshot and not and, and just kind of like blaze over, just, just blow that over. The way folks have been talking about paying players for what? Last three or five, at least last three years, uh, Doc? At least that long? Right. About conversating players? And nobody stretches that question out or stretches that answers out. You just move on to the next question. It's like, wait a minute, hold up. What did he just say? I'm like, KD, what did he just say? Did he like the bug? Did he put the light in the lighthouse and says, all right, anybody in the dog, you finna see now. There's no way that wouldn't have been a, that wouldn't have been a, a second question asked. To either explain, uh, 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 expand, uh, expound on that, and spread and 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 act, give a uh, long answer, or a short answer to what you just just said, because he just had to explain that. He just had to. Now, mind you, we've overcome some SIDs and some moderators, and not been, and and just got our question in and got our answer. But folks, it is no way I can I can vouch for the three of us. I can't vouch for a whole lot of folks, but I know the three of us and at least one, or two other folks here in town would have said, "Wait a minute, what did Jesus say?" And what it is still did, online. Just, just quick. The link is still available online. It is still online on ESPN.com. You can search for it. Look for the the AAC Media Days around the two hour mark. It is still here. It just wouldn't have happened. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. And we've done a lot of national work. A lot. A lot. That, that, that was just too much of a wow moment. So, going back to what I said, Earlier, my gut tells me that has been discussed in a closed 
quarrel and something has been put on the table and somebody's trying to crunch some numbers to figure that out. Because when that does happen, it's got to go all the way down the line and it doesn't matter how many programs you've got on campus. But I think, Doc, on the Division One, most everybody's got at least, what, eight, uh, 18 to, to 20 sports programs, including uh, between both men and women on average. Yeah, anywhere between 13 to 18 programs. Yeah, 20 is kind of – that's pushing it. <laughs> but there, but that's, that's what folks have got, all these club teams and all on, on campus, but they've got national championships listed in NC2A. Uh, that may be non-scholarship situations in some of those. But at least it's – well, let's say the average is 15. Including both men and women. Yeah, that's a lot of money that you got to be putting out for non-revenue and Olympic sports. But somebody has pushed the button and said, "We're gonna fly something out down the road. We just don't know when." But something is going on behind the door, behind closed doors. Because major, he, he answered that too straightforward, as they say. If you know what I mean, and he really be wrong. He, yeah, he touched on it. He brought it up himself. He brought it up himself. Like I said, because one of the two interviewers asked him to to give a little bit more details, and Major said, you know, basically, I'm not uh, a decision maker, but this is what I think. So he had he like I said, he brought it up himself was asked one question to provide a little bit more info, and that's why his first word was but. So there's got to be more to this, and folks need to bring it up some more, ask more questions, get some more information on it. And I think we should wrap it up there, let folks know how they can find you on the Internet, because I don't want to get into more discussion about other topics because I really think this topic needs to marinate. Yeah, I agree. We need to At least until media day here in town. At least. <laughs> At least until media day here in town. So, you know, hopefully this podcast, mentioning it in this podcast, Somebody will, oh, I, I had no idea Major said that. So it's out it's out there now. So I don't know. You know, we don't have a massive following yet. But it's out there now. So, Doc, how can folks yeah. find you on the Internet? Yes, people can find me on the social media platforms at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also find me every Tuesday at Dr. Bill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab radio show with Charles Bishop and Mike Washington. That is every Tuesday from 545 to 750. Central Standard Time, www.chaseways-tv.com. You can watch it and listen as we do streaming there, you can also catch us on Facebook Live. 
Again, that's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can also go to www.theheritage.com and get prepared for the latest update. Say that again, Dr. Again. Get into the sporting Yes, the website is www.theheritageagency.com. Theheritageagency.com. The Heritage Group Agency at All right, got it. Wildcat, how can folks find you? Find me online at uh, Twitter, TweetDeck, Facebook at Jerry L. Woodley Jr., J. L. Woodley 1. You can find me uh, also at YouTube and Blogger Blogspot. I got to get uh, uh, my. Uh, Excuse me, my SoundCloud right now is, is acting up, so I got to get it corrected out. But uh, the other two, SoundCloud and, I mean, not SoundCloud, uh, Blogger and YouTube at AKSV, DCSR, the College Sports Report. And I'm KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, HoustonRoundBallReview.com. Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube and Instagram. Twitter, I'm VHR Review. Our podcasts are on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, not TuneIn, Stitcher. Pod, modern ways to listen to podcasts, you can find the KG, Fifthwood, Wildcat, and Doc podcasts in those directories. We're also on Facebook. We have our own Facebook page. Thank you to the people who responded to the Apple White post on the Facebook page. Ask folks to guess. Folks, guess wrong. So I put Apple White. They were shocked. That Apple White said. So we had folks tossing out Nick Saban, uh, Tom Herman. Didn't say Apple White. They were shocked that I put Apple White. That Apple White did it. So. Our Facebook page was the first place that I know of to put those comments out there. So, KG, Mr. Wildcat, and Doc on Facebook. So, there we go. Let's look for it there. I'll post the link up so people can listen to it for themselves. Uh, Time stamp it. You can listen to it yourself and see what he said. He talked about, obviously, the team, his expectations for the first day of practice at Oliver. The last year, year of age before it goes pro, three years in, going pro, you know, should be top five pick, top three. Some projections have him going number one overall. Of course, that depends on probably what team gets the number one pick. But yeah, go to that. Go to that. Uh, I'll post a link. You can listen to it yourself. Gentlemen, this has been enlightening. We covered football, <laughs> top product, high school, considering. An HBCU, Major Applewhite talking about players should be compensated in baseball. So this is this is good. It's a great, good day. It's a great conversation. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. Gonna wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more. <laughs>